In 2016, Leicester City pulled off one of the greatest sporting upsets of all time, winning the Premier League title just a season after clawing their way to safety. They reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League, won the FA Cup with a Yuri Tielemans stunner and beat mighty Manchester City in the Community Shield. But football gravity is an unforgiving phenomenon and the Foxes are falling fast. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No sense of decline in my top tipping team, thrilled to say. Mark O'Hare has dragged himself out of the bet cave to give us his best bets for the week. Mark, Leicester finished fifth in back-to-back seasons in 20 and 21. Just missed out on the Champions League. There were some people ridiculously saying, oh, that, that was a real failure to not make the Champions League in those seasons. But only people realised what a big achievement that was. It's Leicester. They, they, they have no right to be finishing in the Champions League or even in the European spots, do they? No, not at all. But I think uh, recruitment was, was superb and the coaching of Brendan Rodgers was excellent for, for a large period of time there. And Leicester were punching above their weight. And I'd even say last season, finishing eighth, they punched above their weight compared to the the level of performances they were showing, but but also they couldn't just defend to... for the entire <laughs> season and still finished in the top eight, which is exactly. And they're I think they're only a point or two off, off seventh as well. So um, really impressive stuff considering the circumstances. They had basically no defenders available for half the season, uh, particularly at centre half. There was huge problems, um, but that wasn't sort of a, you know a reason for for their downfall. Or to, overall, basically systematic failures. Um, worked against them and, and there's been a malaise now through the summer I, I assumed things would get back to an even streak by the time the season rolled around and I thought we'd see a bit of investment or uh, some sort of movement at Leicester but it hasn't been the case and there seems to be some sort of issues behind the scenes um, Brenda Rogers has been parachuted into the sack race favourite um, this week and you know the way in which his team have performed for the first three games would be really alarming uh, if you're a Leicester fan I know there was no Fofana or Tielemans in the starting team against Southampton but his team have just offered little if anything going forward really it's remarkable that they've scored five goals so far in the Premier League if you look at their sort of shot locations um, really really poor um, only Nottingham Forest have actually had fewer shots only Bournemouth have had fewer shots on target nobody's taken fewer shots in the box than Leicester so far this season and they've accumulated just 1.5 expected goals yet managed to score five so going forward it's completely unsustainable you can't keep relying on James Madison to pull rabbits out of hats I know Harvey Barnes is back fit and available again which will be a big boost but there's issues there and we all know about the defensive deficiencies that have been there for for long past uh, the start of this season really too so um, even midweek, you know, Rogers made hordes of changes for the League Cup. They had 26 shots and failed to score away at Stockport in League Two. So, you know, he said himself after the Southampton defeat that his players looked desperate. They looked nervous once they took the lead. Um, so you've got issues in both boxes and now issues around mentality and mindset too. So that's quite concerning um, from a Leicester perspective and then things don't get easier this weekend away at Chelsea. Although you could say it's a potentially opportun- a potential opportunity for them to go to Stamford Bridge considering it's very, very difficult to know what we're going to get from Chelsea at the minute. Um, you know, praise them after the Tottenham performance and then they go and chuck in an absolute stinker at Leeds. Um, very hard to get a real sort of firm read on the Blues right now. So, yeah, difficult match to call this weekend, but um, things don't look too good for Leicester right now. 
King of the numbers, Mark Stinchcombe is with us. Stinch, Leicester, as Mark says, go to Chelsea. Chelsea blown away by Leeds. But I think Leeds are going to come up with some performances like this where it kind of almost doesn't matter who they play because they're such an outlier in the way that they press, the intensity they play with. They're going to beat some good teams and they're going to beat them well. Then they're going to come up against some dross and probably lose. So it, it, it's hard to judge Chelsea, isn't it, on that in a, in a weird way? Sounds like some underhand credit there for Jesse Marsh, yeah? Yeah, vaguely, vaguely. Look, I, there are things about him that make my teeth itch, but <laughs> he's a good coach. In his way, he's a good coach. His method of football, but it needs buy-in, which is why you've got Aronson's coming from Salzburg, Tyler Adams is coming from Leipzig, guys who are relatively young still, who are totally schooled in the Red Bull way of playing. If he doesn't have that buy-in, if he's got people like when he was at Leipzig, who went, this is rubbish, we're not going to play this, then it just doesn't work. No, I'm a big I'm a big Jesse Marsh fan. I think we discussed him quite a lot. I think he's going to do absolutely fine with Leeds. As long as he can keep Bamford fit, they'll be absolutely fine in my mind. Um, is it okay if I say I wasn't surprised at the result last week? I mean, I've already yes. discussed my, my pro, pro Jesse Marsh stance, but... I don't know what's going on with Chelsea. They seem to be doing in Everton. They've they've spent nearly two hundred million, but let both their strikers go without replacing them. Like who's going to score the goals? Like in that system. Um, well, Todd Bowley is like it's almost like some kind of drama where he's been told he has to spend a billion dollars in three weeks, otherwise, you know. He's going to have everything taken away. It's like some kind of weird game show where he's like, you can have 100 million. You can have 100 million. It, it's odd, isn't it? He, he's clearly, the backing is good for Chelsea, but there's no formal director of football. Marina Granovskaya is not there anymore. And so the plan seems to be that they're getting taken advantage of left, right and centre. And they're buying good players, but spending too much on them. I mean, Anthony Gordon for 60 million. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't, we, I, must, I, we must be worth a mil each, surely. He's a good player with some attractive qualities. I don't think he's 60 million. And I always say in the market, a player is only ever worth what somebody else is prepared to pay. But if you're letting players like Callum Hudson Odoi go out on loan and then bringing Gordon in for huge money. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And also no, no. Pulisic. Pulisic, I know there's injury problems. I get that. But he can barely get a game. And then Anthony Gordon comes in for massive money. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, it's a good point you make, really. Because I think Anthony Gordon, Pulisic, Hudson and Doyle are very similar profile player, wide players that like to attack quite versatile so it, it's it's rather strange that they're not looking to get a tune out of those two I don't know like maybe there's something going on behind the scenes in terms of they're trying to get the number of English players up for whatever reason um, but still you probably got better options from from elsewhere I mean sign a third choice goalkeeper who's English you know something like that if that if that was the reason um, yeah so I just think both both teams here are, are vulnerable essentially um, uh, Mark touched on uh, Leicester's issues. Obviously, they they got problems with um, finances and, and players that are upset that they're not allowed to leave. He mentioned Brendan Rodgers backed into odds on as the uh, favourite, as the next manager to leave. But And he obviously mentioned like their unsustainable um, forward play so far, but it's only three games. Um, and I still think they've got a, a fantastic set of options going forward, considering you know they're not a, a big a big six club, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, Vardy, Daka, Iheanacho, 
Ayosi Perez, Madison, Harvey Barnes is back. You know, you can't even get them all into one team. That's such a glut of options to have the flexibility to bring them off the bench, etc. So I think they can threaten this this unsettled Chelsea defence. Um, we saw them at Leeds last week. They're all over the place. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's kind of logical, really. They lost Rudiger, they lost Christensen. And whoever they bring in, it's going to take time to adapt to the new teammates around them it's not going to be happen overnight so um, it doesn't surprise me really that they've only kept five clean sheets in the last 15 games Chelsea although it did surprise me to see it's just three and 15 at home at Stamford Bridge and now without Koulibaly uh, you've got the injuries in, in midfield that maybe might protect that defence a little bit with Kovacic and Kante I think there's definitely um, a reason to try and side with Leicester in some way considering the fact Chelsea are 4-11 to uh, I don't think anybody be back in Chelsea at 4-11. Yeah, it's ever um, so short, isn't it, really, given the form they've had at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, I just think there's so many unknowns that you, you wouldn't be back in that. You wouldn't probably put in that an accumulator. I don't think you'd be back in, say, Chelsea minus 1.25 on the handicap, for example. Just think there's too too many unknowns. And, and, and Leicester at 7-1 to one could even argue that, you know, that's, that's worth a bet in itself. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit more cautiously. I'm looking at uh, both teams to score here, essentially, at 10-11. to 11. Um, Leicester have seen both teams score in 13 of the last 15 games, which is very strong. Um, but even stronger away from home, 24 of the last 27 away matches have seen both teams score. You know, that's a strike rate of almost 90%. And we're getting odds here that are closer to 50%. And Leicester have scored in the last four visits to Stamford Bridge. So I don't think this trip will have hold any uh, dramas or, you know, they're not be scared or, or sit back and play cautiously. I think, I think Brendan Rodgers only knows one way to play and that's to be offensive. Trader and tipster extraordinaire, Emmett O'Keefe has been patiently waiting to get involved like a coiled spring. He's ready to strike. Uh, Emmett, Brendan Rodgers in the spotlight. Seems a bit disillusioned with the whole thing. He's been there a fair old while now. It's really hard, isn't it? He's won the FA Cup, won the Community Shield, which I know a lot of people don't think is a big deal. But if you're Leicester, every trophy is a big deal. And they've been fifth in back-to-back seasons. Obviously weren't last season, but... How far can he actually take them from here? No, I think it's one of the, I guess, Brendan Rodgers is clearly a good coach, right? He's clearly one of these coaches that, for the most part, when he's there, your club will outperform his resources. We saw that at Celtic, we saw that at Swansea, we saw that at Liverpool for a period. But as we saw with Liverpool towards the end and that kind of disastrous end at Stoke, when it seems to go badly, he does seem to kind of struggle to arrest the slide. And I think he's had over a year now to at least, or as in, like, no matter who their defensive personnel is, they, they, their defensive record is just so abysmal that he has to take some blame for that. I do I do feel a little bit sympathetic for him this season. Just, it's not his fault. I don't think that Yuri Thielmans has a year left in his contract and he wants to leave that, like, Newcastle are bidding from Jay's. I think he's a team this year where a lot of the players want out. Obviously, the the... the the kind of financial issues of the the Leicester ownership have been documented, and, and, it's, and it's and it's kind of I, I could understand why that would lead to a bad atmosphere for for, for this season specifically, but for last season, Le- Leicester really underperformed. I think it's you have to say it's only a matter of time before before before, before Rodgers is sacked. I think like when you're one 0 up at home to Sampton, and and and, and, and he, can, he can't even hold that lead. Like as it's been discussed on previous podcasts, how they're consistently dominated on the XG. 
and they are they are heading to being a firm relegation contender unless the slider is arrested. But as Mark Stinch alluded to, there they actually are probably possibly playing against maybe favourable opposition this weekend, in the sense that like Chelsea will struggle just based on recent history, on, well not recent history on on Thomas Tuchel's history at the club will struggle to expose Leicester defensive frailties. Chelsea have actually only scored three goals at home in the league once since last December. And like, if you could just compare that, Arsenal scored three goals four times that period. Liverpool six times. Man City obviously a lot more more than that. So I think as in, even even if Chelsea dominate the game, they just struggle to confirm convert that dominance into goals. Raheem Sterling has had zero shots on target in his first three matches. And again, in, in the Chelsea match I watch, I've watched Sterling's actually been playing quite well. Its touch looks sharp, but it's just like the Tuchel system and Chelsea's method of play just doesn't get him those easy chances like Pep Guardiola's team. Like you, you saw, saw under Pep, like he was living at that back, at, at that back post for the cup for the for the cutbacks that City were providing for him. That's not happening at Chelsea. And as as discussed previously, I think Chelsea's approach has definitely been scattergun in the market. And, it's only through a couple of matches, but I think Koulibaly doesn't look good at all. I think he looks to have lost a bit, a bit of a, a bit of his athleticism from his from from his peak. And he's oh, he really... looked all right in the first couple of games. Obviously he... against Leeds, he looks appalling. No, he, um, look, he, so look, he looks, he looks, he looks, yeah, he looks really good in possession. Like he's he's a brilliant footballer, but it's just more the the pace and athleticism piece. Like he he's when he's when he's coming deep to kind of cover attackers, he's not really. He looks uncomfortable. I mean, he's getting beaten easily. Again, it's early though. I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying. I would just. I would have cast a little bit of doubt over that. And as has been said, there, like they're just crying out for a striker. And when, like, when you're scrambling around to get Pierre Emerick Emmerich Aubameyang as your kind of last chance solution, having spent like sixty million on Krugerella in it when you already already had Ben Ben Chilwell there, like going after Frankie Dion when you've Kovacic and Jorginho there. It, like you know, it just yeah, their their approach doesn't doesn't quite add up, and and specifically for this weekend, I think I I, I really couldn't touch them at the price they're at. Just the way Chelsea approach the game, as we've seen, the way a lot of their best attacking play comes through the wing backs. And it looks like this weekend with Koulibaly suspended, we'll probably see Kukurella as part of the back three. So I, I like Ben Chilwell to have a shot on target as part of the bet builder. He's 15 to 8 for a shot on target. When he was fit last year, he was nearly a more potent attacking weapon than Reese James. And in a game that Chelsea should dominate, I think the, the, that price looks a bit of value. Yeah, you can get a free £2 bet builder on any Premier League game on either Saturday the 27th or Sunday the 28th of August. Maximum of one free £2 bet. Minimum combined odds of 1.5. Eligi- eligibility criteria, easy for me to say, and T's and C's apply. So Emmett's put his in. Stinch, I'm guessing you would throw in the BTTS, would you? It's got a decent price, I think. Yeah, just the the underwhelming or sorry, overwhelming uh, statistic of Leicester away from home. Twenty four of the last twenty seven away games, seeing both teams to score. I think it is too good to turn down in what we we don't think will be a basically one team attacking throughout the whole game. I think it will flip and flop. And Mark, what would you be putting into a bet builder there? Uh, mine kind of uh, it doesn't fly in the face of Emmett's, but it's it's very similar lines. So uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to scrabble around for something different. So I, 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 I expect You're not supposed to say that, Mark. You're supposed to say, oh, well, I was in complete control of this situation. The whole well, way I, I was because I still assume Kukurella will possibly play left wing back. Um, he's been preferred and played 90 minutes um, in his first in his last two fixtures, and I think Casper Laqueta could come back into the the back four really to sort of solve the issues with. Uh, 
the suspension to, to Koulibaly, but we'll have to wait and see. But if he does start a left wing back, I think he's a, a huge price at 4.5 to have a shot on target. Um, he's had two shots against Spurs, two shots against Leeds in his first two games. And we know what Thomas Tuchel is like with his wing backs, asked him to get advanced and, and play a big role in terms of creation and actually trying to get on the end of things himself. So he's posted 0.5 in terms of XG and XA so far, expected goals, expected assists. Um, and yeah, you just compare it to the to the, the alternatives, really. Reese James, who's even money for a shot on target, that's fair enough considering his potency from dead ball situations. But he played as part of a the, the three-man central defence last week. And then you've got um, Trevor Chalabar at 2.4. Uh, would you rather Trevor Chalabar at 2.4 or Kukurella at 4.5? So uh, yes, I'd much prefer the, yeah, I'd much prefer the, the latter, really. It's the same price as basically Aspilicueta or, or Wilfred Ndidi. And I think uh, Kukurella has proven not just in his Brighton days, but also last week and, and the previous week, that he's more than willing to get forward, join the attack and have a dig. Nothing wrong with having options. You can look at the team news and you can decide throwing BTTS with one of those players suggested. Arsenal are top of the Premier League. Yes, you heard me. Arsenal are top of the Premier League. They have won all three of their matches so far. They've looked pretty good doing it as well. They face Fulham in one of many London derbies this season. Cottagers won the last one 3-2 against Brentford with a late header from Mitrovic. Mark, how do you see this one going? I think it's quite... An intriguing game, this, because Arsenal should win it, but Fulham might be able to take a chunk out of them along the way. Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, it's just a huge difference a year makes Arsenal top of the league. This time last year, they were what, bottom of the league and Arteta was the sack race favourite. And um, they've been able to field a, a consistent first 11 for the first time in their first three games since, I think, 20 years' time or something like that. And they're winning matches. They're playing with freedom, confidence. Uh, there's understanding, a load of desire across the pitch as well. It's, it's really quite enjoyable to watch right now. And, um, you know, it's easy to get ahead of ourselves with Arsenal. I think the big test will come in the coming weeks when European football arrives and they're travelling around Europe on a Thursday night and returning for Sunday fixtures. Um, that'll be tough, but we'll, we'll see what they're made of then. Um, been surprised by Fulham, in, te- in fairness. I think they've been very, very good uh, unbeaten through their first three games. Um, Mitrovic should have put the game against Brentford to bed before he did finally make that intervention and, and win the game for them. But um, Andreas Pereira has been particularly impressive in terms of his inventive abilities. Um, and in fairness, I think uh, Reem and Adarabayo have been better than I expect- expected at centre-half too. So um, they've played with intensity. I think they'll go to the Emirates and try and put on a decent show. But ultimately, this is Arsenal's you know, food and drink really at home against bottom half opposition when I was on favourites. It's something I've talked about, you know, week after week really when it's occurred. And since 2018-19, they've got a, a 68% win record at home to bottom half teams. That increases to 70% when at home to when at home and odds on favourites. They're around 1.35 here. Uh, 1.3. Uh, their record when 1.5 or shorter at home is 19 wins, three draws and just the one defeat. So really, really strong. Um, I think Arsenal are in a very good place. I think this is going to be a decent test for Fulham to see really how good they actually are um, going away from home to, to one of, sort of the, the top four favourites. Um, but yeah, I, I don't anticipate it to be the, a sort of basketball style match, which possibly Fulham matches have kind of feel like a little bit at times this season. So um, Arsenal at home under Arteta, they played 49 Premier League games. Only five of those have featured five goals or more. And actually defensively this season, they've been really, really strong. They're giving away next to nothing, uh, less than 0.7 expected goals per game on average and giving away fewer than six shots in the box on average as well. I know small samples, just three games played, but... That's very encouraging. And I think the back four does look quite solid and strong. Uh, the midfield, the lovely balance about it right now too. And obviously up front, you've got the 
the beautiful poise of Gabriel Jesus, who seems to be here, there and everywhere right now. And um, so I kind of package three selections together here. Arsenal to win under four and a half goals. And you can back Gabriel Jesus to score or assist. Um, he's been involved in five goals already in just three Premier League appearances, two goals, three assists. The most any Arsenal player has been involved in in their first three games for the, for the club. Um, he also scored four and managed four assists in his last four starts against newly promoted opposition too. So he tends to like it against the lesser lights. And I think at home to Fulham should be his kind of uh, calling card. So yeah, if you package Arsenal to win under four and a half goals and Jesus to assist or score, comes in at a nice 2.56, which uh, appealed to me. That sounds good to me. Emmett, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I'd possibly be seeing a little, little bit more competitive than Mark, just in the sense that I guess I'm just wary of reading too much into Arsenal. I think like Bournemouth minus Dominic Solanke and Leicester playing the way they currently are, the two are like two of the worst, maybe three teams in the Premier League. And then and then if you kind of, and even and in the Crystal Palace game in the first match of the season, that was probably a more even game than the scoreline suggested with Palace creating quite a few chances, which they didn't take. So I kind of, I, I, I'm just kind of yeah. I, I'm low to see Arsenal as kind of a, a as a total banker, which they're at home to Fulham, which their two to seven price indicates. I think yeah, I think, I think it's been a really positive start for Fulham this season. Obviously, it's kind of a small sample size, but they're only allowing I think the the fifth most shots in the Premier League, which shows that the Marco Silva kind of pressing system is working. I think as well. I think with with Tim Ream and Adarabio at the back, you're kind of not certain are these the is this kind of a centre-back pairing that can keep you up? But so far, I think it's been very impressive that their new signing, Yao Palinia, he's the second most successful tackles in the Premier League. Yeah. And if you have a shaky... He's a monster. If you have a shaky centre-back pairing, having a holding midfield who plug the gaps and kind of reduce the amount of space in front of them, I think is a real positive. Getting Andres Prayer for the fee they got him to kind of to replace Fabio Carvalho has been a really shrewd business. And it's a real stark contrast to Fulham's kind of last time in the Premier League where they were just like total scattergun and getting and, get, and, and players who were kind of were coming there for the wrong reasons. Um, so all in all, I can see this being maybe a competitive game which Arsenal kind of pull away late. Uh, but I'm confident Fulham can score here. Obviously, last season they scored 106 goals in the championship, an average of 2.3 a game. They've been they've been they've been prolific again this season and dominated Liverpool for long stretches. So, I, so I think maybe a competitive Arsenal win, maybe kind of a two-one or three-one Arsenal win is how I see it going here. And I like both teams are scoring over 2.5 goals at around at around 10 to 11 in the Bethlehem. Let's dip into League One because Stinch, you've got a pick for us from there. Yeah, I said um, a few weeks ago, I think, spoke about back in uh, Peterborough to score goals this season. And uh, unfortunately, I seem to have picked the picked the wrong game, or not necessarily picked the wrong game, but they, they unfortunately just didn't turn up away at Plymouth and, and lost 2-0 very tamely. But since then, they went on to score two against Sheffield Wednesday and four against Lincoln. So, so hopefully somebody else has uh, followed them on, on those games. So I, when I was obviously tasked with having a look for some good bets this week, I was like, well, I wonder... Go and have a look to see who Peterborough playing. Peterborough away at Derby. I couldn't couldn't believe that that Derby are odds on to to win this game. Um, seventeen to twenty, like just looks absolutely bonkers. Like I got. Is that literally that. because they're Derby? I mean, obviously, you guys know there's a lot more goes into it than that. But I mean, some teams seem to have big names. Teams that drop down from a higher division that seems to influence things. Yeah, I think there's lots of different facets here because we're only five games into the season and Derby have got almost... 
a completely different squad. They've had a big overhaul. They've got a new manager. So you can't really read that much into, you know, five games worth, worth of data. I mean, I've got Peter Rodin as being, you know, one of the top three teams in the division and that would mean that Derby are the the best team in the division and I just just don't think that can be true at all I mean I'm not totally sold on uh, Liam Rosinha either as as manager Um, and I just think with a lot of the players they've signed obviously there's a lot of them free transfers and with that comes you know there's a reason they are free transfers and probably because they've had injury problems or they've not been in form or they've not been playing so I just think it's a huge ask to all of a sudden assemble a, a winning machine and you know they've got 46 games to sort things out um I actually back them for relegation so maybe I'm being a little bit biased that I can't <laughs> I can't justify them being odds on but yeah I just think the price is like way off like way way off like I went into this game thinking, oh yeah, Peterborough might be, I don't know, slight underdogs and we can do like Peterborough over 1.5 goals or something, but don't even have to be that aggressive. Like I'm just looking at Lay and Derby basically. So Peterborough double chance at 17 to 20. Um, I mean, I tried to have a look to see why Derby might be priced this way. They started quite well in terms of, you know, the expected goals. So they they've uh, registered 8.1 expected goals across their five games and only conceded 4.4 so a nice uh, plus 3.7 differential but they've only actually scored three goals and one of them was an own goal so again I'm kind of asking myself who's going to score these goals to make this odds on shot win Uh, I mean the main culprits here in terms of missing these chances have been James Collins and um, Eram Cashin who have only got four goals in their last 54 matches combined so clearly finishing isn't their strong point Um, so you know Expected goals is fantastic because it tells you if they're creating chances, which they seemingly are. But if you haven't got somebody that can actually finish them, there's there's no point reading too much into it, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know, Peterborough have scored 12 goals. Um, they're, they're sitting, they're currently sitting second in the league. Their expected goals is very similar to Derby's, 8.74, 5.3 again, so 3.4 uh, expected goal differential, which is just slightly less than Derby. But again, um, in my mind, that would mean you at, at, at best I could have Derby in equal ability, which means I would price them up sort of 6 to 5, 5 to 4. Uh, shot stats are very similar. Um, so yeah, this is the shortest price Derby have been all season as well. So I, I, I don't really know what's going on here. And yeah, I'd rather, I, I, I mean, I would happily be more aggressive here as well. If you want to be, depending on your style of betting, batting, bat, uh, betting Peterborough to win, Peterborough over 1.5 goals, maybe backing Johnson Clark Harris to score at 13 to 5. Loads and loads of different options you got here, but I would just pick the one that you're most comfortable with. And again, I think honestly, I think you can back whichever angle you go for. You can back regularly with Peterborough this season. They're just going to be so much fun. They're going to score a lot of goals. Yes, they might concede a few, but uh, if you're just focusing on them scoring goals, I think you can definitely make profit uh, while they're being priced up in this manner. It's always something I find quite interesting, Stinch. When you've got a team that are the outsiders and you think, well, no, I, I don't think that's right. You know I always love a goal scorer bet anyway, but all those get inflated and suddenly you've got a player that you know is in form, you know has got a great chance of scoring and you suddenly see that they're to have a shot on target price or their to score price is suddenly way bigger than you think it should be. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, what I would say here is just be consistent in your on your choice selection. So if you like, um, you know, being cautious, for example, lay derby. If you're a lot more aggressive and prefer backing a goal scorer, back the goal scorer. Because the problem is, is you're, as you say, everything's correlated at the end of the day. So whatever you choose is going to be value if, if we're happy to accept that Derby are underpriced. So whatever you choose is going to be value. But in order to make a long-term profit, I would say you just need to be consistent in what you actually decide yeah. to back. So don't, if you were, for example, to lay Derby, don't lay Derby and then the next time this sort of similar match comes around and go, oh, well, um, you know, Peterborough lost 3-2, so I lost my bet, but I knew they were going to score goals. And this time I backed Peterborough over 1.5 goals and they draw 0-0. So the other, this time the other bet would win. Just be consistent in your in your approach because long, ta- long term then the profit will take care of itself. Don't change your, your um, bet selection process, I would say. Sound advice as always. Let's go to the championship. Emmett's got a pick, Huddersfield against West Brom. Yeah, kind of one of these games early in the season where the teams aren't separated by much in the league table, but are, are have, have, there's a significant difference in terms of the XG figures. West Brom are second in the league in expected goal difference, um, despite having only six points in their first five games. Um, I think not, not, probably none of us in the panel will be that that big of fans of, of Steve Bruce's manager, but this, but, but, but I think th- th- this squad is kind of too good not to be in the top six of the championship this year. So, and he's proven at that level, isn't he? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, like, did you, and like John Swift, they signed for Reading. Look, looks a good player. He's already scored a couple of goals in midfield. Then um, Wallace, Wallace from Millwall has also been also been impressing. I think just. West Brom are just are a really solid bet to be kind of a top six a slash 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 pushing for promotion and Huddersfield are kind of a, a club and a goal in the totally opposite direction. They've kind of obviously last season they did unbelievably well to make the playoff final, despite their kind of statistics throughout the season, not really suggesting they were they were that level of a team. But in the summer, their manager Carlos Corbran left a couple of weeks before the start of the season, which is always a terrible sign. And Partly because they lost kind of two of their best players in the, in the summer, O'Brien in midfield and uh, to follow wing back. I think I think and they really haven't adequately replaced them, and it just even so much so that we've seen quite a bit of smart money on them uh, in, in the first few, few weeks of the season for relegation. They're in, in the bottom three in XG figures, and I think Hutters, I think even when they they beat Stoke and their only victory this season, they were outplayed in the XG. So I think Huddersfield are a team that, 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 that are really struggling. And I've and West Brom have been price been shortening up a little bit. I think I still think there's there's probably a bit of juice in that price at around at around eleven to ten on, on West Brom to win. This football season, you can get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. Eighteen plus. See gambleaware.com. Org. Everton still looking for their first win of the season. They go to Brentford. Mark Everton still not looking great. Damari Gray got them out of jail against Forest, although they had patches of the game where they played quite well. But it just still doesn't all seem to be coming together for Frank Lampard. And if they do sell Anthony Gordon to Chelsea, which seems to be the way it's going, is he going to have enough time to reinvest that money? And actually, with the FFP, are Everton going to be able to anyway? Yeah, it seems unlikely, and uh, you sort of worry about Everton right now. Uh, it seems to be a, a continuation of what we saw 
last season really uh, pretty inspiring stuff so far bar that sort of late flutter I think against Aston Villa when they were chasing the game they did have 19 shots in the game against Forest last week it must be said but very few of them are from threatening areas and, and with Rondon being your only fit centre forward right now just a, a lack of ability to convert any opportunities that come their way is, is a serious concern really and None of the sideline players are due back this weekend. There might be a sort of shuffle of the pack with new players coming into the team. But, you know, the issues that have been around Everton for quite some time are still there. And particularly on the road as well, which is, you know, heading down to London this weekend. It looks like a tough game for me. Um, they were the worst away team in the league last season, as we know. Um, and they've already been turned over by a team in Aston Villa who've been struggling themselves. Um, their away record since the start of last season, two wins, four draws and 14 defeats. Three clean sheets, conceding 2.15 goals per game. Uh, on only four occasions have they scored multiple goals in those 20 away games as well. Uh, and Lampard can try and shift the blame elsewhere, but actually under his tutorship, their record away from home, one win, one draw, eight defeats. They're returning the worst expected points return um, in his tenure away from home. And Southampton have given up a higher expected goals figure too. So really damning statistics against Everton. Um, and I like Brentford this weekend. Uh, I liked them last week and no escaping from the pack. fact that Fulham were, were the best team and deserving of the points over the 90 minutes. Um, but I thought they showed great character yet again to come back from two goals down, had a, a marginal offside goal go against them and it always hurt when you lose in the final few minutes too. So they'll be um, you know, very keen to kind of get back to winning ways. We obviously saw what they're capable of against Manchester United here not so long ago as well. So I think the price of Brentford 2.08 on the exchange is, is nice. Um, they've been pretty solid enough really as Premier League hosts since promotion, particularly when playing teams outside of the elite. Five wins from seven against the bottom seven last season at home. That included turning Everton over home and away actually and whilst overall they they ranked as the the seventh best team in the Premier League in terms of home process which is very impressive for a team who's just been promoted but uh, just in terms of the price 2.08 on Brentford to win this game which is what I like Villa went off around 1.75 at home to Everton obviously what was that fortnight ago I don't think there's a huge difference between where Villa are right now and what Brentford are going to show at the weekend um I just think it's possibly uh, doing them a little bit of a disservice. So I'd have them probably a smidgen of odds on coming into this match. So happy to back them odds against. Friday night tip for you from the Bundesliga. Freiburg up against Borkum. And I do like Freiburg minus one on the Asian handicap at 1.84. Borkum, I sounded the alarm before the season started. They lost half their squads. They haven't got a big budget. They've made an awful start to the season, lost all three games. They were shredded 7-0 by Bayern on Sunday. No shame in that. Bayern are going to do that to a lot of teams, but they're forgetting the defensive basics, poor at set plays, giving away goals that are easily preventable. And I don't think there's much going forward either when you're relying on Simon Zola to score goals, a guy who's never really had uh, a great record at this level. I think you're struggling. Freiburg continue to confound the critics. Uh, they got a really good derby win at Stuttgart last weekend, 1-0. Also won 4-0 away at Augsburg. And even in the game they lost, which was a home to Dortmund, they were actually the better team for big swathes of that game. And it was only a mistake from their goalkeeper, Mark Flecken, that really swung the pendulum on that one. So I think there's a big mismatch here between Freiburg and Borkum. So I back Freiburg minus one on the Asian handicap at 1.84. Massive game in Serie A. It's the Paolo Dybala derby. Juventus up against Roma. Emmett, how do you see this one going? 
yeah, I think this this is a really interesting game between kind of I'd say two managers who are probably not quite over the hill, but I'd say probably kind of managers from a di- looks like managers from a different decade in terms how of how very fun- dare you, Jose Mourinho just won the Conference League. I'll I know, I know, I know, but it's, it's kind of the less that's what I'm thinking. It's the lesser of two evils here. I think, like, I don't think given the money Roma spent last season, I don't think whatever sixth place finish, whatever they had, they had in Serie A. I don't think they were, they were, I don't think that was necessarily an outstanding season, but the conference league was clearly a good end. I think the club were in, obviously in dire need, of, dire need of a trophy. We saw the celebrations last year, how much it meant. And one thing we could say with certainty is that the kind of the, I think the players are definitely behind Mourinho. Uh, this season, they've had a couple of, on the face of it, unconvincing, one and one of the wins against lesser opposition. They've dominated both matches on the XG. And I think our, I don't think they're quite a title, a title contender. I think they're kind of a solid, a solid top four opposition. Whereas I think Juventus are like, I, I think, I think Allegri is only probably four or five matches from the sack. I feel like in the second half of last season, Juventus were sick. I think they were seventh in expected points in Serie A. And even even with even with Dusan Vlaovic coming in, there's no kind of sense of any kind of pressing or kind of a modern style of play. And, very yeah, reactive, isn't it? It's very, very much so, and it's it's just it's it's kind of he, the, the, the Juventus under Allegri since in his second spell they've been consistently less than some than than the, the, some of the parts of the team. And last watching, having watched a few of their games last season, like Matthias Delict was clearly their best player, best player under Allegri. And when you play that reactive approach, reactive approach, you need to have quality centre half play, and, and Delict provided that. He's now gone. Obviously, Bramers came in, who was regarded as one of the best kind of centre halves in Serie A outside the big clubs but again that's we, we, we have we have to we have to see see how that that develops but and just just kind of Juventus after a good good first performance they were outplayed on the XG by Sampdoria they could they, they created less than 0.5 XG away to Sampdoria which is just flashing some of the warning signs of of kind of the unconvincing forms as we saw for Juventus last season and given that, given Angel Di Maria, who played really well on, on his debut, but but's now injured, with Paul Paul Pogba injured, and it's kind of a obviously a more long term injury. Chiesa is also absent after the World Cup. Juventus, I don't think, are in a great place. And given all of that, even Roma without Nicolas Zaniolo, who's obviously their one of their most promising attackers, I think they look a far more safer betting proposition. They're currently around two point three eight draw draw no bet to win the game, and that's the way I play it. I can see this being kind of a low scoring tight affair. So I think you you definitely want to keep the draw on side. But I I, I thought Juventus will be I, I thought Roma would be closer to maybe six to five draw no bet. So there's definitely a bit of, a bit of value in the in the two point three eight. Mark, there's an interesting point here, isn't there? Because Juventus uh, had a lot of success under Allegri first time around. They made this decision that it wasn't enough just to win. They wanted to win and win in style and also wanted to have a good crack at the Champions League. So they brought in Maurizio Sarri, somebody who notoriously needs a lot of time to bed in a system. He got a year, pretty much, and then they booted him brought in the human Aslan, Andrea Pirlo. He came in and he wasn't able uh, to have any kind of time to do anything. And I don't think anybody was massively convinced uh, by what he did. And then they're back to Allegri again. So we're seeing this time and time again, aren't we? At different football clubs, United are one. You have lots of clubs that are completely rudderless at the top of the club and just seem to make a lot of bad decisions piled on top of each other. And that's before you even get to the Ronaldo debacle. 
Yeah, um, and I think possibly a decade ago, uh, under previous regime, you would have said that Juventus were arguably one of the, the shrewdest and smartest clubs yeah. on the continent. Yeah. They were absolutely turning out Serie A's like every other week. It was just a, a routine victory, really, and it was becoming similar to what we're seeing in, in Germany and France, and just a, pro- a procession, really. And you'd find it hard to find any sort of faults in, in Juventus's business plan, let alone their their ability on the pitch too. So, yeah, it's it's. Um, I've always thought football can be quite quite cyclical in, in certain regards. Uh, Obviously, Bundesliga is suggesting it might, might not be the case. It's just a big cycle, Mark. We'll get there. It might take 30 years, but we'll get there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's refreshing, I guess, for us neutrals to see Juventus, uh, I wouldn't say struggling, but toiling at least to, to sort of regain their crown in Italy. Um, and it's, uh, you know, absolute hats off to the likes of Inter and Milan who've come forward and, and offered a, a decent alternative and a, a, and will challenge them again this season. And at the moment, I haven't got a huge amount of confidence in Juventus to, to, to win the league at all. I wasn't overly impressed by their summer business. I thought Bremer was a great addition and, and Di Maria, if they can get him fit and firing, absolutely. But apart from that, I, I thought they could have done some shrewder business. And um, yeah, I just think they're probably being outpaced by smarter clubs right now in Italy, which is, as I say, something that wasn't the case a decade ago. Well, now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a feature that seen as nailed back-to-back 7-2 to two winners. So at this rate, we won't need fake celebrity anecdotes to market it. How this works is that each of the guys come up with a selection from the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett wrap those up in a boosted treble for us. So I'm going to start with Mark O'Hare. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take both teams to score and Aston Villa take on West Ham on Sunday. I think both teams are desperate for points and both teams have been a little bit misfiring in the final third. West Ham haven't even scored a Premier League goal yet, but um, I think they'll have their opportunities on Sunday and I think it could be quite a decent watch. So, yeah, both teams to score at Villa Park. I'll go to Emmett next. Yeah, I'll, similar selection. I'll go for both teams to score in Arsenal v Fulham for the reasons I said earlier. Hopeful, hopeful of a kind of a high-scoring, uh, exciting game on, on Saturday evening. And Stinch, I think you might have a BTTS selection, but we'll see. I mean, if you want to make it a treble, I'm happy to do Chelsea v Leicester. Or I was actually going to go for Brentford to win as Mark. Oh, we'll go with that. Go with your instinct, yes. Don't let yeah, me. I'd, <clears throat> uh, I mean, Mark explained why you should oppose Everton. Um, I'll paraphrase with Everton are terrible. Um, Brentford, <laughs> I just think uh, Brentford like, seem a bit reinvigorated with uh, the, some of the signs they made in the summer to basically replace the void of Christian Eriksen. They got Johan Visser and uh, Jade Silva back to full fitness after disrupted campaigns last year. And I think the additions of Damsgaard and Lewis Potter are really, really smart. Um Everton are, are abysmal away from home, failed to win 16 of the last 17 matches and they conceded 25 goals in Lampard's 10 away games. So if you conceded two and a half goals per game away from home, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to avoid defeat. It's a pretty grim picture for Lampard. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Not just the Premier League. We've got EFL previews. We've got Liga, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, you name it. From Mark, from Stinch, from Emmett and from me, it's goodbye for now.